Hey Bliss Seekers, and welcome to your online home away from home. A place where we marry ancient wisdom and modern science, so we dispel the woo-woo of spirituality to help you find authentic health, balance, and bliss. I'm your host, Ari, a specialist registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, embodiment coach, and modern mystic. I've trained with the world's leading experts in psychology, mindfulness, and behavior change. And I am a recovered perfectionist, overachiever, and self-development junkie on a mission to help you stop being your own worst critic, to finally step into your authenticity, and return to wholeness through mind, body, and spirit integration. This is a place where imperfection is celebrated. On this podcast, I'll be having heart-centered conversations and dive deep into topics related to health and spirituality, intuitive eating, embodiment, finding your soul's purpose, past lives, sound healing, psychology, self-development, and all things to support your soul's evolution. I'm speaking to you if you're tired of being your own worst critic or feeling like something is missing in your life and shrinking your body to feel accepted, loved, or enough. For the one who is ready to live unapologetically and reclaim your birthright to living an expansive, confident, and fulfilling life. Because you are way more than a physical body and it's time we start honoring you as a multi-dimensional being. So grab a cup of cacao, coffee, matcha, or whatever you fancy, and inhale deeply through your nose and out your mouth, and get ready to live in alignment. You're listening to Align with Ari. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome back to the Align with Ari podcast. It is so great to be in your ears today, and today's conversation, I am joined by Dr. Mitchell Saskin, who is actually, in fact, a professor at Columbia University at the Spirit Mind Body Institute, which is where I am enrolled. So I have the pleasure to actually be auditing uh, Dr. Saskin's class. I would have taken it for credits, but I couldn't, Um, so I have the pleasure to just sit in and just bathe in his wisdom when he he teaches. And I'm so glad that you get a glimpse of that in today's episode where he was so gracious enough to share his time with us in this conversation. So Dr. Mitchell Saskin is a clinical psychologist with a practice in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, New York, where he has over 30 years of experience as a psychotherapist in private practice, as well as working and consulting in public, independent, and parochial schools throughout New York City. He received his PhD in clinical psychology from Derner Institute at Adelphi University and as a professor of applied psychology for Adelphi University, LIU, and NYU, he has supervised doctoral students in their clinical practicums and internships. And he has now become a member of the core faculty at Spirit Mind Body Institute at Teachers College Columbia since its inception in 2014, where he primarily lectures on the integration of spirituality into psychotherapy. 
So while Dr. Saskin has been analytically trained as a psychotherapist, he has moved towards incorporating more alternative, mindful, and holistic forms of treatment into his work with clients. And this is primarily based on his own longstanding meditation and spiritual practices. So this is such a great conversation. I know you're going to get so, so much out of it. I really just, I was buzzing after this chat. So in today's conversation, we talk about the universal laws of the soul, past lives, and the journey towards wholeness, attachment theory from the lens of psychology, as well as spiritual evolution and growth, how to find your soul's purpose, the difference between spiritual karma and religious karma, the definition of spiritual health, anxiety and depression as manifestations of not being present, and how to return to presence. So, so much is jam-packed in this episode. I know you're going to love it. And before we go into the episode, I wanted to just preface this conversation with a few bits and pieces that will might be helpful to frame the conversation. So firstly, I want to mention we do talk about past lives. So if this is new for you, there is so much research around this area. It is so fascinating. Um, But really, past lives provide a perspective. So naturally, it doesn't change the issues that we might have in this lifetime, in the present moment. However, it might offer a greater truth in our soul's journey. And as you will hear Dr. Saskin mention, you know, we need to be present with that and what that might bring to us here and now. And ultimately, we can only connect to the spiritual world in the present moment. And you can't change the past, so we need to bring the discomfort that we might feel to the here and now. So a lot of what we talk about is learning how to build that tolerance and being able to be still with that those discomforts. Now, another thing we talk about is attachment theory and the attachment styles. So for those of you who might not be as familiar with attachment theory, it really stems from a psychology that came from the work of John Bowlby in the in the kind of in the 50s. So it's been it's been around for a little while and it really highlights that attachment is defined as a deep emotional bond between two parents. Most notably, it's how the caregiver-child relationship emerges um, in early childhood, and that then influences subsequent development and, and relationships in the future. So it's it's really based on this notion that a child seeks closeness and feels more secure when in the presence of an attachment figure. And attachment, there are various attachment styles based on the relationship we might have had with our primary caregiver. And so there are four. First is avoidant attachment. Then we have the ambivalent anxious attachment, disorganized attachment, and or secure attachment. And so we don't necessarily mention all of them in today's episode, but I just wanted to really introduce that idea here and to offer some, you know, before we dive in, some insight that that I really took away from from learning from Dr. Saskin, uh, where he mentions that the soul has different experiences based on the different attachment styles. So the first, if we talk about avoiding an attachment, is when if a parent cannot be present with the enthusiasm of the child, right, cannot meet them where they are at. The child might internalize that, you know, I cannot be who I am or I am rejected. And this might create an avoidant attachment style. So in life, then you might protect the soul from being hurt by avoiding situations where you are vulnerable. So you might withdraw and become more detached. 
you don't feel seen, and you prevent that hurt. In the case of ambivalent and or anxious attachment, this is when a parent or a caregiver cannot be fully present emotionally and, you know, so meet the needs um, and social issues. So sometimes they are there and sometimes they are not. So it's not reliable. It's not consistent. So the child may feel that that reaction is, is towards them. And so they might internalize that. So the intermittent reinforcement creates the more codependence might arise. So the child might then always be looking to bond because they're not sure it's not consistent. It's like, oh, is this time going to be it or not? You know, and if I do finally get the bond, oh my God, I need to hold on to that. So there might be difficulty with boundaries that arise because you want to connect at a deeper level. It's also important to note that everybody has a little bit of these parts in them. Um, but there's also a predominant way of being. The third is disorganized attachment. This is when a parent or a caregiver is completely in their own world. So they're not, not at all related to their child's world. So the child uh, and, and or you, you're not attuned to one another. So the child has no sense of who they are because what they're feeling isn't even reflected by the caregiver. So this means that you might have had difficulty creating a sense of self because it's been what we call not cohesive, right? There's nothing to work with. So in this case, you might show up as not having enough what we call ego resources, not enough of that resilience, which fun fact, it can be built and established and strengthened. So not to worry if this, you know, if this resonates with you, that's absolutely fine. All of these we can, we can work, you know, through. So in a disorganized attachment, we might have like an all or nothing experience of the world. And we might be very reactive to our environment. And the fourth form of attachment that has been noted in the research is what we call secure attachment. So this is being able, so the caregiver was in fact present and was able to reflect back to the child what their needs are and to meet those needs at least most of the time. And so... In the present, that might look like being able to then express yourself and be seen and heard and know that your voice is indeed valid. So you might be able to tell people what you need and or want. So that's a little just introduction to attachment styles, which kind of is brought up in today's conversation. Now that's enough from me and let's dive into the episode and hear from Dr. Mitchell Saskins himself. Hello, Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is such a pleasure to have you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to, to really explore some of the, the ideas, the practical strategies you shared with me and, you know, my peers in class. It's something that I think really resonates with, with many, myself included. It's really influenced the way I see the world. And I think we definitely need to take it out of the out of the you know university rooms and share this. So I would love to get started by diving into a bit more about yourself and what brought you into the more psycho-spiritual space and perhaps touching on what that is. Sure. No, um, yeah. I mean, I, I really, my kind of life is really kind of a model for kind of how I developed this. And um, so, yeah, I you know, kind of just grew up in like a kind of lower middle class, working class family. And and one of the things that at an early age, I kind of felt, 
you know, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> this didn't feel right to me. So I was always kind of consumed with understanding things and understanding myself at a very early age. And I guess like, you know, most people who try to understand themselves, they're kind of, you know, going through tough times, trying to understand what's going on, trying to make sense of it. So that's really, um, you know, kind of where I began. And, you know, initially, the route to understanding myself was psychological. Because, you know, I didn't really have any kind of spiritual background. And, you know, and I think it gave some pointed to some answers, but it still wasn't kind of fulfilling. It didn't really capture what I felt my really inner experience was. And so in probably my very early 20s, I got really, Shirley MacLaine wrote these books out on a limb, and she did these a miniseries. And, you know, and at that time, I actually uh, was um, working as an accountant. No way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because really, um, it kind of followed my family's trajectory. Like, I was the first generation to go to college. And it was really thought of, you go to college for something vocational, mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of find yourself or express yourself. So I was doing that and not really enjoying it, but I thought, oh, this is life. You know, you don't have to enjoy life. Just do it. <laughs> but then I got, I was just, was watching this Shirley MacLaine out on a limb and all these kind of past lives, kind of the sense of consciousness continuing, a sense of connection to our path, that there's spirit guides there. There's this whole other dimension that intuitively just made sense to me. And it really was the first time that, you know, like it felt real, like it felt like something that really connected, made sense, like this is, you know, I could see myself in that bigger picture and the reason why I'm here and, and so forth. So that was really the beginning of my spiritual journey. And with that, you know, I still wanted to change professions because I was an accountant. And so I went, so, I, you know, I was always interested in psychology so actually, I went back to school, like, you know, many of the people in my class got a master's <laughs> yeah. in psychology. And then I went on for my doctorate in clinical psychology, just, you know, because I want to change professions. I want to be a psychologist, and I thought that was the, the best route. And the, the program that I took was psychodynamic, which was always a way of thinking. Again, I was always kind of drawn to depth. Right, understanding things not on the surface, but really in this deep way that you felt it. And so that's why psychodynamic psychoanalysis always kind of um, appealed to me. So I was going through this program and then concurrently kind of doing my own spiritual journey. So I would kind of go to spiritual retreats. I would kind of learn kind of out there stuff like channeling healing. 
and all that stuff and uh, and continuing my readings uh, into spirituality concurrently mm. with learning clinical psychology. And my program, nobody really, you know, spoke about spirituality. Mm-hmm, and, um, yeah. <laughs> no so way. Like, we don't go there. <laughs> right. So, you know, so it was just kind of, you know, being in the closet. Though, fortunately, I found just sharing, you know, kind of tentatively with a couple of classmates about what I was believing, and they resonated with that. They were with it. Mm. So again, so what I started doing, probably actively, was like everything that was taught to me uh, psychodynamically, I translated into some spiritual way of looking at it. And so that way it made sense. And it was almost like psychology is like the tip of the iceberg. Yes. <laughs> right? They, you know, they could, they understand certain dimensions and certain relationships, which is, you know, very good. Mm-hmm. But they, I don't think it's grasping the underlying principles and dynamic, the spiritual principle. Right. So in terms of, so I started kind of my practice after I graduated. And initially, you know, kind of doing more traditional psychodynamic. But then as I became more confident, I just kind of created my own way of integrating kind of my spirituality into the psychotherapy. And so now I kind of, in both ways, like I have, you know, psycho, you know, clients who have no idea I'm into spiritual stuff. And then clients who come to me specifically because I'm into spiritual stuff. Though mm. so every client I see, I see from this spiritual dimension. Like I see their dynamics through that. Uh, you know, the greatest, I mean, it's my practice. Yeah. It really is. It's not just a, a job. It really is a sense of this is my purpose and my practice. So again, that I help others sometimes take the leap that I did because I realized that, you know, I know many people who don't take that leap and they just live in this kind of, you know, surface life Mm. of this real kind of vibration of kind of survival, but not really touching the depths of their soul. Mm. So I guess that's really how I hear at this moment. Yeah, I can definitely, re- that resonates with me in terms of that surface level living and, and what I see in practice and, and with those who might not necessarily have that or be in touch with that, that soul mm-hmm. level uh, mm-hmm. frequency, as you put it. And mm-hmm. in my, I can relate to that in my journey as well as, as, as soon as I started digging into the depths of my soul and, you know, f- seeing synchronicities and patterns, it's, you know, you start thinking and questioning, hmm, hold on a minute, there's there's more here. And now that's what I seek in relationships and people I meet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, we're going there, you know, otherwise yeah, I, yeah. I just, it's almost, I can't go backwards. Is what, that's right. So the now box it's, is open. You can't yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. go back. So if ever yeah. I, you know, I don't have that sense of connection and depth with, with someone I'm engaging with, it's this, mm. it's something's missing. And I'm like, mm, this yeah. isn't nourishing my soul. So I'm just not going to spend as much time. <laughs> with that person (laughs) you know so it's yeah it's you get you get hooked you're like oh i like this frequency it's good yeah yeah and And actually for me it's interesting that because i work with clients and so i can help them get to that depth Mm -hmm. so it's really kind of cool 
So someone could come in with that surface level, but in working with them, you kind of open up that depth. And so, you know, it's really satisfying in that way. Such a gift, such a gift. And and it's interesting. It's if we think of, I know we're going to dive into, you know, the attachment styles today and, and, and potentially even touch on past lives and how the, you know, the universal laws of the soul. Um, but what, what came, stood out to me is that, that idea that you had this notion of what you were meant to be doing. And so you kind of started on that path and it felt just like, okay, this is, this is life. And, and many of us, you know, I had that experience as well, going to business school before moving into sciences and health, health related sciences. And it's, it's, you start kind of thinking there has to be more. And, and even when we think and pull from positive psychology, this idea that actually meaning and purpose is part of living a fulfilling life. And that Shirley McLean, I think you mentioned, it's almost like she was a, a very important guide for you, that turning point where your soul remembered. Actually, mm-hmm. this is exactly. what you're meant to do. It's a deep remembering mm-hmm. as when we come back to this life. And I'm sure you're going to touch on this more. It's, it's you know, there is already a blueprint of, of what you're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, to preface this, this conversation, if you can tell mm-hmm. us a bit more about the universal laws of the soul. So what mm-hmm. are we, as we you know, perhaps go into our healing journey and start learning a bit more about ourselves, our role, and, Mm -hmm. you know, how we engage with this, this, this oneness and moving towards wholeness. Mm -hmm. What, what is it that we want to kind of know going in? What, what are the assumptions? Mm -hmm. I I guess we can put it as. Yeah. Well, I think initially just the concept that we're spiritual beings in human form, Mm -hmm. that in a sense that the real journey is a spiritual journey. And we've chosen to be in human form to kind of kind of purify ourselves in that way. Like the way I look at it, that in the physical realm, coming to earth and being incarnated is really the place that we can work to do things. Right? In the spirit world, in a sense, we are energy, but we can't kind of create mm-hmm. and do and be a purpose. And so, you know, that's really, and so we are here, we choose to come back into this incarnation. And this own incarnation this speaks to a purpose, that in a way, we have a purpose for being here. And the idea of being able to grasp that purpose or trust that purpose is really what brings happiness Mm. and brings a sense of wholeness and completeness. And truthfully, on the flip side of that, if we don't listen to our purpose because of cultural, family, other issues, then we're always going to feel a sense of lack, Mm. a sense of incompleteness in this life. And, you know, I mean, I think, I think it was Thoreau who said, like, we live lives of quiet desperation. And I think we do unless we capture the spiritual part and that and the other part is that we spirit is all around us it's not something that's separate from us it really is just the consciousness and the awareness of that spiritual field that allows us to kind of be in it and to get the most out of it and so you know that's really as i work with people that's really what it's about. And I think the other part is that we are kind of creating our lives. 
and that we, and we're speaking about the law of attraction, that in a sense, we attract to ourselves what we need to heal. And I think that's a very powerful kind of statement that, you know, many of us see events in our lives as being random or being a victim or something, that the idea of it is that anything that comes towards us, and this is not about blame or anything of that sort, it's about taking it, and that's an opportunity that we're attracting to us, which is perfect for us in terms of healing and learning. And so being able to take all that in and really feel that. And it, the other thing as a psychologist and working with clients, and this is where, you know, I go off from regular kind of psychotherapy, that in a sense, what happens in our lives are a reflection of the intentions we're putting out into the world. Mm. So again, it isn't, just something that happens to us, but yet we are attracting that based on our intentions, both, and this is the psychological, both conscious and unconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, many of us, you know, have heard the, you know, law of attraction and the secret and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and many of those are about conscious attraction. <laughs> right. Right. It's about, oh, why am I, I want this. Why am I not getting it? Mm -hmm. And so where the integration of kind of psychology comes to this is that our soul is putting out also unconscious intention that we're not aware of based on our upbringing, based on past lives, Mm -hmm. based on all these experiences And if we don't understand and delve into that unconscious intentions, then we're really never going to receive what our soul is really wanting. So, and again, and our unconscious intentions attract things just as well as our positive. So again, seeing everything that comes towards us and, Mm -hmm. you know, again, trying not to label it positive or negative, but whatever comes towards us, is really this opportunity to look inward and this opportunity to grow and to become more of who we are meant to be in this lifetime. Mm, yeah, that's that. Uh, yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes total sense to me and resonates. And I'm the word that really stood out to me is that co-creation and mm-hmm. being uh, almost like a little dance with the universe and then kind of in that remembering and and, and really maintaining a curious mindset to see what, you know, what is this teaching me? What can I learn from this, this instant? Now, I, I have to, I have my hand raised. I, I do feel like I come from a more privileged background in the sense that I haven't lived any mm-hmm. of the really hard and dire circumstances, per- right. potentially your clients as well as mine have. Mm-hmm. And so something that comes up in, 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 you know, conversation sometimes is this idea. And I, I'm so grateful you mentioned like there's no blame here and no shame. It's mm-hmm. really just this. But I do think, you know, for some individuals who've lived through, for example, sexual abuse is something that I hear a lot of. I, you know, presents itself quite a lot. And the question I get, so I'm kind of putting myself in my client's yeah. shoes is, well, did I ask for that? Like, it did you know, how, how can I learn from that? You know, how is this, or if it's happened multiple times, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on there? So what are some unconscious patterns or intentions that might be coming up mm-hmm. there? And I do also, 
acknowledge you mentioned past lives come in here. So I know it's quite a complex question and, and topic, but how do we start shifting our perspective in relation to those events that have potentially happened to us? Yeah. I, you know, and I think it's really, it, that is the, and I want to kind of preface that because it's really important because if one just takes things from a spiritual level and not an experience level, then you're really kind of not being empathic mm. with a client. And in a sense, something, you know, look, there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world. And we, we have something inside of it. All of us do, not just some people or some others. We all have in us this pain and suffering from past lives, from a sense of unresolved experiences. And with that, the universe is this kind of infinite puzzle that kind of gives us, even if on a surface level, it seems horrific. Mm -hmm. On a spiritual level, it's giving you the opportunity to really go to the level of healing that you need to do to move forward. And so there is no blame, and it really is a sense of taking it in and being able to kind of be with it. Like, and I'm going to tell a brief kind of, you know, about a client, but mm -hmm. that will illustrate this. Now, you know, many clients, you know, don't know their past lives, or I work with them. This is a client, for example, who knew their past lives, and we worked with that. And so this person had a past life where they were kind of a, a monk <laughs> and they went out into the world. And when they went out into the world, they were kind of naive mm. and they didn't really know the world was kind of, you know, filled with suffering and hurt and, and people who were aggressive. So this person started, you know, kind of preaching or, or kind of doing that. And the person was, killed for that. The person was stoned or whatever because the person didn't know this experience. Now, this person who came to me, came to me that she had been, had been the victim of sexual abuse and sexual violence. And so being able, you know, this person being spiritually attuned, we could link that. I mean, we speak to it but a sense of the idea of how to come out in the world and be with the world and set limits with yourself and others so that you can be yourself in the world, but in a way where you're not as vulnerable. That in a sense, you're kind of figuring intuition with wisdom, <laughs> right? So that you're bringing yourself into the world in that way. So, and the work with this client has been amazing in terms of being able to come out and express herself in the world, but in ways that she doesn't feel so vulnerable. And truthfully, with this person, that she really has gotten over symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, because she has felt more safe. more So in a way, the issue that has came up in that past life continued. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, in this life, 
was this being able to look at it and build that resilience to have the best life she can moving forward. So that's a kind of case of taking this, seeing it as the big picture and how what happens in the here and now really represents what needs to be healed. Oh, and I want to mention this because this is really important mm. as a therapist, that whatever needs to be healed has to be healed in the here and now. Yes, yes, yes. We'll repeat that because I, I, that stood out to me and I was going to say, it's interesting that you mentioned the now and that's right. something that stood out to me in your in your lessons is mm. healing It happens now, here in the right. present moment. And mm the past lives when understanding and if that's something that is 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 you know curious to someone that can be a lovely lens in which we can mm -hmm. understand the struggles in which we're going through now here now which just adds right. adds layers of complexity and depth that we're seeking right because it's mm -hmm. it's there's so much more and that it, would that would you say and i know this is potentially a question that the audience might have so would you say that's similar to karma just in terms of like the past lives and, yeah. you know, having to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the difference for me is, again, I guess, spiritual karma as opposed to religious karma. Right. But yes. The, right. The idea of karma. Yes. There are energies mm -hmm. that need to be healed and they come into this life to be healed. So there's like karma to me is our consciousness that travels between lives that wants to be healed. The religious karma is the one of judgment. <laughs> that right. You did yeah. something wrong and it's going to boomerang and, oh, you'll see next time. Mm -hmm. Right. And that isn't something that I really have seen or kind of profess to. I, that seems to me like in many religions, these are kind of distortions of spiritual energy that are used for control right. of religions. Okay. Right. right. So yeah. that's really how. I see it. And so again, and, you know, going back to your first question, you're like, oh, this person's experiencing these mm -hmm. terrible things. And like, why, mm -hmm. why, you know, it's like, why, why? Yeah. And I guess the question is like, it's bringing that trauma from wherever it needed to be to the present to be healed. Mm, yeah. Because if it wasn't experienced there in the here and now and worked through in the here and now, it would never be healed. So in a way, I mean, it's, again, it's all how you want to look at it, that your physical body has, in a sense, made an agreement to suffer something that is really not something someone would choose. But you're accepting that and with the promise you'll work through it to release that energy for your soul to move forward. Mm, right. So it's all so so just to kind of rephrase it, the soul decides that before landing and choosing your this life and this mm -hmm. body and the family in which you're born into, etc. Mm -hmm. right. And so that that leads me into the patterns, right? So patterns mm -hmm. we might see, which then also might be related to the concept of attachment styles, which we know has become quite quite well spoken, you know, spoken about a lot in, in psychology mm -hmm. and in the self-help world and books and all that. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how can we apply this idea of the universal laws of the soul and, and soul evolution to mm -hmm. patterns that we might attract and attachment styles? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this is really an important kind of perspective as one views their life. And I think this is just the statement that one chooses your parents growth. And so that's a really 
profound statement. And your parents choose you concurrently, right? Yes. Mm. And so that's really powerful as one you know works through issues in their life. So in a way, you're choosing <laughs> the exact family that will create this attachment style that will create a personality <laughs> or move to create a personality that will be a perfect foundation for you to work through the issues you need to work through in this lifetime. So that in a sense that not who we are is chosen again for a sense of growth. So again, we create a difficulty even for ourselves in a way, mm-hmm. but we create conflicts for ourselves and our lives are about transcending those conflicts, working through those conflicts. So, so on a psychological level, we're freer, but that goes as a parallel process as our psychology is freer, our spirit is freer and that we're freeing our soul from these kind of bonds that we've chosen to work in this life to kind of free. Mm, Yeah, I think that's a very helpful perspective and something I can definitely uh, attest to and see in, 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 in clients I work with in particular. It's this idea that often it's a lot and it actually overlaps with what our conversation earlier about boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Learning how to set those boundaries. And in the example you gave, it sounds like, great, how can I express myself and be a sovereign being whilst also being able to acknowledge when I can say no, mm-hmm. when I, when, you know, what is right for me and being that authenticity, that authentic soul mm-hmm. purpose is, is, is mm-hmm. it sounds like healthy boundary setting uh, mm-hmm. is, is one of the main, would you say is one of the main lessons, I think, in, in many yeah. instances. Yeah. I think it's, a, in it, and looking at it from this energetic way, mm-hmm. right? I think preserving your energy, right? One of the ways of even looking at, you know, our families and the enmeshment, right, yes. is the idea of we don't know our energy from the energy of the family and the culture that we brought up in. Yeah. So when we talk about boundaries, it's really a sense of knowing our space, right? You physical space, yeah. psychological space, spiritual space, because we need that space to totally be with our path and to be with who we want to be. Without that space, we're always confused between are we doing this for someone else? Are we doing this to be loved? Are we doing this because we're scared? as opposed to we're doing this, that something comes internally with yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the patterns that I that, that we often hear about are that people-pleasing, right, and that mm-hmm. codependency. And I'm wondering if you can touch a bit on that and how that presents itself and what, what an evolution would look like, what would need to happen to then have that space for your, yourself and your purpose. Yeah, well, I think we could go to attachment mm-hmm. <laughs> theory. Yes. While psychology speaks about the sense of, you know, being pleased or being approved of, the other aspect of it is attachment style that you want to be seen, <laughs> that your soul wants to be experienced. That's a much kind of 
broader and has a greater depth. That in a sense, as a child, we come into this life wanting our soul wants to be seen. And based on how our parents approach us, that we either are seen, which is good enough parenting, secure attachment, or most of us, insecure attachment. And the style of that insecure attachment shows how we relate to others. So talking about codependency. In codependency, usually the relationship between the child and the parent is kind of ambiguous. <laughs> so sometimes the parent is involved and sometimes the parent isn't. And the important part of this is that it's not related to anything the child is doing. It's related to the internal state of the parent. Now, codependency is a sense of, wow, I want to be seen. <laughs> so I want to continue to be connected to this person <laughs> because in my experience, I wasn't. And so you're taking responsibility to be kind of connected to this person and you'll give up your sense of self to be connected to this person. And so that really is, and I think that is the kind of the major kind of psychological pattern that brings a lot of suffering in the world, right? Because they're not feeling enough in themselves. They feel that they only can be seen if another person sees them. And that need and, for validation is what, what often comes through and, and right, seeking exactly. to be approved, right. which then might manifest in behaviors such as, in my case, who I work with is, is you know, eating a certain way and or trying to shrink your body and et cetera. Exactly. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so, again, and it's really important, certainly when we don't have words for it <laughs> or yeah. these concepts that we're talking about then we do these things unconsciously. Yeah. And mm -hmm. our body is the receptacle <laughs> of yeah. those unconscious experiences. So, you know, when our body does something, we have to bring it to awareness because our body just does it to survive. It mm -hmm. doesn't do it in, in a sense of awareness. So we have to bring that awareness to it. So, you know, I'm totally with you. Yeah, that. And absolutely. Really, and and so in how I often see it is our behaviors are symptoms, right? Symptoms of what's actually going on underneath, mm -hmm. which is perhaps that disconnection with, with soul, with, with right. your, you know, I, 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 you know, we're using the word purpose quite a lot, but of course there is that, that, that again, that blueprint in which mm -hmm. right. meant for, and often we have mm -hmm. that disbelief and there's that, you know, tapping into mm -hmm. that subconscious or unconscious, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, yeah. We have a lot of belief systems that kind of make it really murky to see and or really be in tune with. Why am I here? So I'm wondering if if you have any, you know, if you can bring in that practicality in terms of, okay, if someone's really feeling stuck and, you know, building that sense of awareness, naturally there has to be a sense of readiness and desire to kind of, you know, something's not sitting well with me. Something's got to change. I'm not sure what, but how do you now 
you know, what would be a few first steps? And of course, naturally, everyone has their own journey. Everyone has such a unique spiritual journey and unique set of belief systems and lived experiences. But how would you now put that into practice to bring that awareness and start this healing, this soul evolution healing journey? Yeah, I think, you know, the word we're talking about purpose and all that, I think it's as for me, it's authenticity. Mm. There's an experience that we're real to ourselves. Our soul and our purpose are in this life are aligned. And that there's a feeling of that. And first of all, we all feel that authenticity in some places in our life, right? And sometimes we don't bring attention to it. (laughs) And so I think one of the first ways of looking and connecting to where is it in your life No matter how small, you feel whole, you feel authentic, you feel connected to the spiritual realm. And so I think I would ask each of us to just stop, to be present, to remove yourself from the idea of people giving you this, (laughs) as opposed to how can you give it to yourself? What experiences give that to you? Yeah. And, you know, and I think sometimes people, you know, know that some people don't. And so if one doesn't know that, if one is kind of lost there, this is where there's contemplative practices, right? Whether it's, you know, the body meditation or any kind of practice for some, it could be music, but it's a sense of going inward. It's a sense of removing yourself from the physical world and going inward and seeing what resonates in that way, what connects. And I'm a firm believer that to feel that, we need to feel that authentic self. We need to experience it so we know how to get back to it. And so as a therapist, and I'm sure as you work, that you're trying to bring that to others. You're Mm -hmm. trying to bring that authenticity, that experience of authenticity, so that you have this touch point that you can return to. Because I I really see life as a, you know, as a metaphor for meditation in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That in a sense that whatever your breath is or whatever your touch point is, that we always have to, you know, we're all busy and all this stuff, our thoughts yeah. and stuff. But if we could identify that touch point and consciously go to it, then we could find our path. We yeah. could be with it. And, and as you said, for everyone, it's individual. I can't tell anyone what that is. And to be open to that. And to so be it's open really a felt experience. It sounds like that resonance, which... You know, if we think of somatically, what might that feel like, that sense of wholeness? I, you know, could we put words to that? It's, I think, would that be individual, right? Such as, uh, I, I imagine words might be sense of peace, sense of like, huh, yes. Like a whole body yes is often how I say it. It's like, you will know when it's a yes. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's a, yeah, it's a sense of, again, it's beyond words, but it's, I guess, the sense of wholeness. Yeah. which is a sense that I am good and perfect at this moment. 
Mm, That's rich. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right? That at this moment, I am my spiritual being, which means I am perfect. And I experience that perfection. I'm not perfect in my physical existence. Right. But I'm perfect. I'm connecting to that perfection of my soul in that moment. And I find a lot of that oftentimes, you know, even connecting to nature, which Mm -hmm. is one of the paths to that. But I'm wondering, so let's say you, you, you engage in a hobby, whether it's, as you mentioned, music, whether it be art or walking on the beach for an individual. What then does that mean in terms of what do we do with that? Is that, okay, spend more time doing that activity so that you can then connect to your oneness and perhaps you'll receive then we can call it downloads and to to guide you is that what we need to do more of or is that oh maybe i should quit my job and just be an artist right (laughs) so so what do we do with that (laughs) yeah i mean for some people it may be i i mean i think what you're talking about and i think that also you know all these areas have been studied in different ways Mm -hmm. and i think that we experience flow yes we experience this where, and this is just the here and now, time doesn't exist because in the spiritual world, time is not linear as we experience in our physical being. So in this state of flow or this state of being, right, that we are kind of beyond identifying with a sense of self, we identify with something greater and that we kind of exist, not separate, but connected to everything. So what I'm going to say with that, right, that these are experiences. And some people may find their purpose in living in those experiences and sharing those experiences with the world. Others, you know, one can have, you know, an office job and feel whole, which what I'm saying is it's the idea of taking that experience of timelessness, wholeness, flow, and bringing it back to every experience in your life. And you know, no one can do that, but that is the process. And the more we do that, then the more we live the purpose. And truthfully, being in that purpose, we attract in that in sense of intention all the things that we want in our soul's journey. So the way I kind of say it, when we're in that place, we kind of enter the current of our soul. And so the soul kind of brings us to what's going to bring us peace and contentment and authenticity. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And I recall you saying that the the universe doesn't have a no, doesn't take no, right? That intent, mm-hmm. going back to intention, mm-hmm. it's it's that subconscious it doesn't receive no as an answer so if, even if you think something um if you're focusing on the negative that is what you're attracting right. mm-hmm. so it right. sounds like spending time in this no time kind of place <laughs> where time doesn't right. exist you're mm-hmm. you are more likely to then attract i guess connect with the positivity and the actual exactly. reality whereas perhaps what we might be doing when we're living in a very you know if we're living with depression and or anxiety might you say would you say we are it's almost more of an illusion a, a distortion yeah well i mean i think again as you said just as in the body i see depression or anxiety as symptoms 
of not living in the present. Yes. And based on whether you're in the past, which would be in depression, or in the future, be more anxiety. So, you know, the idea where the world looks at these disorders that we want to get rid of, or discomfort we want to get rid of, this is a different thing. Like, we look at ourselves just like, again, with the body, when we're out of alignment, it doesn't feel right. We, you know, people don't think of feelings that way. <laughs> that when we don't feel right, when we're feeling too anxious, when we're feeling too sad, that our soul and our here and now-ness is out of alignment. And so to be able, it's again, this is a whole perspective of seeing ourselves as agents <laughs> and learning the skills to first experience this place of wholeness, authenticity. But more importantly, that we can shift ourselves back to it, not be caught up in those times or label those times when we're not and say, oh, you know, there's something wrong with me. It's to be curious about those times and to look at, well, what's taking me out of the present where I, I'm not allowing myself back into that place? And so I think that's a, you know, if as a species we could evolve to do that, I mean, that's really what, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so if we were to, in a nutshell, you know, define spiritual health. So what is spiritual health then? Spiritual health is being in the present with whatever you're experiencing. And being able to hold what you're experiencing. And I think that's difficult <laughs> for many of us, right? Because, and that goes back to our early upbringing, that if we're not held or contained, then it's really hard to stay in the present. Yeah. Because we can't tolerate this experience to get to the present, the discomfort that comes up. And so when we feel that discomfort, we go to the past or we go to the future to kind of deal with it or whatever ways of symptoms one would want to look at to escape that feeling of discomfort. You have to sit with that discomfort and release it into the here and now. So then you're free. But in our society, we're taught to avoid that discomfort. Mm -hmm. That's it. The, mm -hmm. Building emotional resilience is so key. And I think right. we're taught to suppress, you know, don't mm -hmm. cry in public or, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. anger, anger is, oh, don't be, don't get angry. Don't, yeah. you know, verbalize your needs or, or, right. or mm -hmm. what, what is causing you discomfort. So mm -hmm. I, I think it becomes really difficult. And also we do have this lovely part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, which, <laughs> you know, it's, Sometimes it just shuts off. And so we, we don't have access to that when we're in that fight or flight, that, that survival mode. Um, despite having it, sometimes we don't access it and we aren't as resourceful as we might want to be based on our past experiences. So we're living in a constant state of, uh, perceived threat. And so I guess this is where you mentioned contemplative, you know, practices where you bring yourself to the present, perhaps through breath perhaps through doing what it is that puts you in flow, perhaps through connecting to nature, as we mentioned, those are ways to, to soothe the nervous system using the somatics, right? Use your senses 
to then access and, and build this, what it sounds like is tolerance towards the discomfort. Yeah, and I think one of the important points is that you have to do that on a, as a practice, as an ongoing yeah. basis. So the space has to be created so when that resilience is needed, it's there. You can't not practice it and then when something comes up where you need it and say, oh, I'm going to start breathing now. It <laughs> yes, doesn't exactly. work that way. <laughs> but in a sense, and that's where it's called a practice. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, a lifestyle to create this inner resilience so we can connect to our authentic self and release these this, these discomforts that come towards us that we're attracting and remembering we're attracting these discomforts not to punish ourselves not to hurt ourselves but to heal ourselves mm, professor saskin thank you so much for this conversation today this has been so rich and i know we're you know the audience i'm sure they're so grateful for you sharing this wisdom and your practical and your, your experience and sharing, you know, perhaps a client example. I'm just immensely, immensely grateful for, for your time today. Well, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you so much for tuning in to Align with Ari. Now, if you like this episode, subscribe, rate, review if you feel called, and please share with a soul sister you think would love to hear it. And if you're looking for more support, head to arianarodriguez.com where you'll find some free resources, a quiz, my embodiment toolkit, and coaching services for a more personalized approach. You can also find me at Align with Ari on YouTube or align.with.ari on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and catch you soon.